listening to The Financial Fix. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Financial Fix. This is episode three. So good to have you guys back and listening. I'm back to be here uh, sharing some more personal finance tips with you guys. Um, we've had a great first two episodes. Uh, episode two uh, for you vloggers out there, vlog viewers out there. Episode two will be coming up soon. Uh, ran into a little bit of issues uh, with editing and get it uploaded, but that'll be up soon. And of course, we are live recording this one as well. So once again, so glad to have everybody back here at the Financial Fix. Um, and so we're going to get into it. Um, this week, I want to talk to you guys about um, a rule of 10 that I have used uh, for quite some time now. And uh, it was handed down to me from my from my brother. And then um, I found some other uh, mentors on my left that also use the same rule. And so it's, it's become uh, very useful in me just kind of putting together my own financial game plan. And so something I wanted to share um, and talk to you guys about here on The Financial Fix. So it, I call it the rule of 10 or the 10-10-10 rule. And it basically simply states this, right, that you want to take 10% of your income and put that towards tides or uh, charities if you're uh, not part of a church um, and into the whole religion thing, uh, 10% into savings, and then another 10% and you want those to go into investing, right? So 10, 10, 10. And so where you end up getting is that you're living on 70% of your income while saving and investing the other 30. And the cool thing about that is that you can really, using those percentages, kind of set that up really easily um, coming out of your paychecks. Uh, so you can, uh, on your direct deposit, have 10% go into one account uh, for your investing. You can have 10% go into another account for your savings. And then you can also just have 10% either go into that same account and then switch that over to a uh, charitable contribution or your tithes or however you'd like to do it. Um, and so it really, when you get kind of set up that way, guys, at first it seems like a lot, man. I remember the first time you know I was introduced to it, I was like, man, there's no way that I'm gonna be able to take 30% and just like only live on 70. It seems like a lot when you're not doing it, but um, it is something that is easily obtainable. And the cool thing about it is you can break it up um, and, and make it a goal to strive to get to that 30%. So maybe you start with five, five, and five. So you start at 15%, you start at half of that, um, or any kind of uh, enumeration of those numbers numbers, right? You can do 2% savings, uh, you know, 9% uh, investing, and then the rest going to charitable or, or ties, however you want to do it. Um, or you can just start with two categories. Guys, the whole point is however you want to, to break that up, it's a good habit to get into and you want to automate it as best as you can. So that way it's not something that you're constantly having to remember to do and that you feel like you'll forget about, uh, that you'll just kind of automatically do it. And so, um, it's something that I started really, really young, probably about 20, 25 or 26, right, right into my career. And I just kept doing uh, along my, my um my personal financial uh journey. I just kept doing that and really got used to having that money just being away. And so now as I've gotten a little older and it's helped me to generate that emergency fund that I talked about and uh, bigger savings goals, it's been pretty cool. And so now it's just kind of like a way of life for me. Every time, you know, if I go to a new job or set something up, I automatically set up my 10% to go to different places. Um, and so now I've got most of mine going towards, you know, my 401k, but then I also have savings and investing. I don't I used to have actually have it automatically coming out of my direct deposit and going to certain accounts. Now I do that a little bit differently. Um, I do have uh, my 401k set up to do that 10%, but the other 20, I handle myself once it comes into my account and I set up some automatic things within uh, my account there. So 
again, guys, overall, it's just, I feel like a good financial structure to, to, to have a goal to, to get in place. Um, if, if you feel like that's a lot, you can work towards it, but if you're already there, uh, it's a great way to go and maintain. And so that kind of, uh, transitions us into uh, the next topic. So we had a we had a question from one of our listeners about what do you do once you get your you know emergency fund set up? What are some of the next goals that you have coming up? And uh, we're going to take a listen to that question right now. Um, so give me one second, and we'll cue that up. Hey Dave, congrats on the podcast. Um, I had a question in episode one. You talked about putting money away for an emergency savings fund, and my question is. Um, for someone who is closing in on that goal or has met that goal, what strategies should they use as far as where to go next? Um, and specifically, I'm interested in what the difference in the strategy might be for somebody who has a family and children versus somebody who um, doesn't have family responsibilities yet. I'm interested in your take. Thanks a lot. All right. So very interesting question there from Matt out in North Carolina. Matt, thanks so much for listening. Um, so, First of all, congratulations. If, if you're in a position where you've gotten that emergency fund set up, that, that's a great place to be. And so your next couple of steps really are you should start looking at doing the long-term savings. Um, I didn't, I didn't, and you didn't quite mention that in your question, but the next step would be your long-term savings, right? So you've got your emergency. You want to make sure you have long-term. Um, you want to go for six months to a year's worth of salary. That sounds like a lot, um, and, and it can be, but if you've already done the habits of getting your emergency fund, creating the habits next to, to set up this longer term emergency fund uh, won't be as won't be as difficult. And so the the next part of your question is the difference between somebody who has a family and somebody who doesn't have those responsibilities. So a little bit different. I'll, I'll tackle the person without the family, uh, the you know maybe young children first. So you've got your emergency fund set up. Now we want you to start working on your long term savings. And making sure that you have uh, your you know six months to a year's worth of salary set up. Uh, next steps after that really just depend on what your goals are, right? Um, obviously, everybody wants to retire at some point. We don't want to work forever. So now that you've made that and you you were you're towards your emergency fund, your long term savings and now your uh, longer term retirement savings should be your next goal. That should be what you should be focusing on. So you should be shifting and moving to now. Um, again, we, we mentioned it earlier that the rule of 10, a 30%, maybe even depending on where you're at, 40% uh, savings route uh, versus and then living off the rest of that income. So you want to be make, you want to be making sure that you're cutting down your expenses right now. Um, if you are looking to get into a home, maybe developing uh, some other uh, uh, appreciable assets. You want to be getting rid of depreciating assets at this point, right? Now that you've got your savings and start to focus on things that are going to appreciate and give you a little bit more of a passive income. And so now, um, as you have that savings set up, you want to start focusing on the money that you're putting away. You, you want to focus on the on the, the other 10 that investing. You want to make sure those investments are over the long term giving you dividends and continue to create you some money. So that way, when you, 60, you turn 60, 65, 70, that you're able to draw on that money uh, for the rest of your life then at that point. So your main focus really becomes retirement now uh, for those without the responsibilities. Um, so we're going to shift to those that maybe have a small family. You have children. 
Okay, so now you're you, you still want to focus on retirement, but you've got two, you've got a, maybe a couple other things. I was going to say two. You may have more than two kids or less than two kids, but you've got another thing to look for, and that's that's college education uh, for your children. Um, if you decide to have your children go to college, not saying that you have to, not pushing that on anybody, but that's usually one of the major expenses that you have when you have children is to look at how in the world are we going to afford to send these kids to college. Um, so there's great opportunities. There's there's a, a five twenty nine college savings plans that you can check out. Um, definitely do some research. Research on those. I'll put some links um, into the vlog past of this, but I'll also tell you on this. Um, you can check out collegesavings.org, um, uh, which will put you into the College Saving Network, uh, which will look, which will link you then, excuse me, to all the different states and the college savings plans that they have. Um, so in general, what is a college savings plan? Well, there's two types. It's, it's basically a way to save ahead of time for college. And there's two types. There's a prepaid tuition. And then there's also just a regular college savings plan. Now, prepaid tuition varies, varies by state. And basically what you're doing is you're locking in the cost of tuition at the current rate. So it, it's, it's 2018 right now. So if I were to open up a prepaid tuition college savings plan, I would be able to purchase tuition credit costs for what they cost now and not, you know, 18 years from now or 15 years from now, whenever my child will be going off to college. And so I'm basically prepaying for those. Now, that's only for the college credit. I can only use it for that. And then, then of course, I'm, I'm your suedo locked into the to a specific college that you choose. Um, if you choose a specific college and that college goes um, out of business or has a financial downfall, your, your funds there are not guaranteed. Um, so you have that risk. But then also, let's say your child doesn't want to go to that college. They want to go to a different college. It is possible, you'd have to look this up, that you could transfer those funds somewhere else, but you may not get the full investment on in return. So some pros and cons there, right? Um, being it very simple, the pro is you get to lock in today's rates for those credits. The cons are, you know, you're kind of, you're limiting yourself to one specific college. Um, and we all know that kids make one one choice and, just, and stick with that choice for 18 years. Out of sarcasm. <laughs> um, you never know where those kids are actually going and going to go. So unless you are are a um, diehard, diehard, hey, look, everybody in our family only goes to one college, uh, that you can go that route. The other one is a typical college savings plan, which is basically an investment account. It, it is an investment account that you can use those proceeds for college expenses. Now, the, the big difference here is that you can use this for all college expenses. This could be tuition, this could be room and board, all of that. It is an investment account that you set up um, that you use to then pay for college. So guys, you can also check out all the information on this on the SEC's website, they, they kind of govern, uh, since they're investment accounts, how those run. And then, like I said, collegesavings.org is the College Savings Plans Network. And with it depending on whatever state that you are in, you can go to that website and then link and figure out what all state-sponsored college plans that you have. So that's that's something that I would say that, you know, for a young, fa a, a young family that's young children, after you've got your emergency account set up, um, you want to start looking at... Um, saving for college for your little ones. You want to start looking at retirement and moving more of your money instead of savings to investments to start kicking in some of that passive income. You want your money to start generating you some money so that way as you get older, 65, 70, 75, whenever it is you'd like to retire, you can start pulling in on that, right? So now your fo your focus is mostly on investments. Um, and I won't get into that here um, for, for obvious reasons. I am not a um, investment professional and so I don't want to be giving you investment advice. Nobody will listen to this podcast and say, hey, this is David, got somebody going to in this. Um, but it is it is definitely one way to start creating passive income. There's also um, all kinds of opportunities to create passive income. We'll hop into that in a different pod. But pretty much what you want to look forward to is um, for your next plan is college for your kids, investments for your future, 
making sure you're starting to activate the passive income side of it um, and starting to pay down or get rid of depreciating assets and acquiring appreciating assets or appreciating assets um, for the grammar, uh, the grammar phobes out there, right? You want to buy things that increase in value and not decrease in value. Um, so at this point, you want to get out of, you know, chasing after cars, things like that. Um, you want to get the cars, you want to pay them down, um, pay them off and then move on to other things. Uh, if, if you, but if you're absolutely a car person, then, then that's totally fine. Just understand that you want to make sure that you're controlling um, how much money you're putting to an asset that is going to lose value over time versus gain value over time, which can turn around and, and provide more money for you. So um, guys, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I'm going to keep these short 15 to 20 minutes, um, but and going to keep them fast paced and coming at you. Hopefully we're, we're, we're looking on schedule to do two a month. Uh, so be on the lookout for the next uh, episode. We're going to go into some things such as um, we're going to talk about will trust and powers of attorney, right? Some of the, some of the more scarier things or, or things that we don't want to talk about most of the time. Uh, but, you know, just kind of preparing uh, your assets and protecting your assets um, for the future and, getting, and being passed on to the loved ones. So I really want to dig into that topic and um, some other topics as well. Guys, feel free to drop me a message on Anchor. Uh, the podcast is now on iTunes. Um, this is so awesome. That's what I love about Anchor as they push it out to all of them. We'll be working on getting in the Google Play Store as well. Um, so send us your feedback. Check us out on the YouTube channel. Uh, check out our page, williamsandlead.com. Uh, leave us some feedback there. Guys, we'd love to hear from you. And of course, like I said before, please, please, please grab Anchor. Drop us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Get you on the pod. Until next time, stay focused on your dreams. We'll see you.